earth is that ridiculously big book of nonsense? This is... That Agatha, book is not that big, Zach. It's Agatha Christie's <laughs> Secret Notebooks. It's a research tool. It's only a It's under 500 pages. Research tool? Yeah, it goes through, oh. like... Well, mm. well, we're taking this very seriously. From uh, <laughs> a little peek into... Does the presence of a book make you uncomfortable, Zach? It does. Zach? It oh, makes me sweaty. I'm sorry. That's why he's in this podcast. Should we get Zach a towel? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little peek into how I am as a human being was as a, a child... I don't know. When did this book come out? Let me check. When was it? up a 60% water. Let me publish. When was this published? This was published in 2009, so... Really? Eight... Uh, no, nine years ago. Yeah. So I would have been <clears throat> 12. Well, also another thing, no, I'm not good at math. Wow. Anyway, I was 12. And I, after I'd finished school that year, my parents asked me, what do you want? Because they always got me a gift. And I, being a <laughs> massive dork, said, I want Agatha Christie's secret notebooks. That's beautiful. And they got That's me that. so lame. And I, I think I asked for Sonic Riders, the worst <laughs> video game I've ever played. Well, you probably looked way cooler playing Sonic Riders than I did sitting in my dad's tire shop reading this huge book, and people said, you got that as a gift? For your, why would you ask for that? And I said, but I'm a That dork. was probably me that was asking. That probably was you. You've always been a bit of a bully. <laughs> Welcome to Don't Drink the Tea, an Agatha Christie podcast, the podcast where we one by one analyze Agatha Christie's books chronologically. I'm Josh. I'm Charlotte. And I'm Zach. Um, so... To start with, Charlotte, how did you get into Agatha Christie? How did you, what introduced you? I, I remember this. I, you know I remember nothing, but I remember very distinctly how I got into Agatha Christie. I was, we were uh, in the car and we were taking an older lady back to her house. And she was very nice to make conversation with like an eight-year-old. And she said, have you ever read Agatha Christie? And I said, no, but I did love books, so it wasn't a weird question. And she said, well, you should read, and then there were none. And mm. I said, okay, and I did. And I would say that is one of the books that absolutely changed my literary life, at yeah. least, definitely. And the way that that's when I decided to start writing things of my own. And yeah, that was a big deal. Literally changed your life. I think it did. People that don't think <laughs> books can change your life, you haven't read the right one yet. That's exactly Zach, right. do you think a book could ever change your life? No. A little intro into Zach. <laughs> a little intro into Zach's is he's not much of a reader. Not at all. So, but the last book I attempted to read was Treasure Island, and I read the first three chapters and fell asleep in bed uh, and never picked it back up. Was it the one with the pictures? No. Tre oh, see, so you started with that one. There's a Treasure Island with pictures? Yes. Well, like the short version. No, but there should be. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I could maybe get into that. But as far as, yeah, I just, I, reading is not my way of enjoying life. So he doesn't like books and he doesn't like Agatha Christie, but he's kind of here, since me and Charlotte both are a little obsessed, he's kind of here as comparison. I'm the average man. Yeah. In the street, yes. We can appeal to anybody. And we will talk about the books to him. And one of the, we have many objectives with this podcast. One of the objectives is to get Zach to eventually read a book. It doesn't have to be Agatha Christie. It could be anything. Just get Zach to read a book. My favorite book of all time, If You Give a Mouse a Cookie. Oh. A hidden gem, if you will. Now, see, I've never read that one. Well, it's excellent. It's... It, it goes through the consequences of your actions and how you should really think them through feel... when inviting wild mice into your home. I feel like I should definitely read that. Mm -hmm. And if nothing else, maybe Zach will read Everyone Poops. 
I'd be, be into that. That's a separate podcast. Everyone poops. Be looking for that this spring. <laughs> it attract a lot of weirdos that don't know that it's about that book. But it's true, though. We need Zach here because he's going to keep us a little grounded. Yes. Because if it was just the two of us, we would geek out and there would be a lot of people falling asleep while driving their yeah. cars. It'd be just all squealing. He could tell us when we're going crazy. And when we're not making any sense, you're going crazy. Yeah, already with yeah. the intro. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, the way I got into Agatha Christie is in connection with the way the story that you told, because you lent my brother the murder of Roger Ackroyd. Oh. And I walked into his room and he was reading it, and I was like, "Can I read that next?" And I think he said no. <laughs> but, Probably. But then I asked you, and you said, "Like, yeah, I mean, it's a little." You know, a little old wow, for Wow, I almost yeah. remember that. This so I, I read it, and obviously I didn't understand a good bit of it. <laughs> but the mystery and the twist at the end, I was hooked in ever since then. So I've kind of had two chunks in my life where I read through most of her books, like you said, like as an eight-year-old, mm -hmm. eight to ten maybe. And I read all of them, and I really only kind of understood the whole mystery part, not the characters or the mechanics of writing it. Mm -hmm. And then I've been able to return to them a second time, and I guess this is the third time now, that I'll be returning and seeing them as actually good pieces of literature, mm -hmm. not just Encyclopedia Brown with big boy words. Uh, see, I am very, when you suggested this, I was very excited to read them all again because yes. I have forgotten most of it. Mm -hmm. And also, I wanted to, the exact same thing, I wanted to see, okay, was this just, was this good when I was 12, or is this still, yeah. like, solid, and is it relevant, and I think... I'm looking forward to it. And not to get too far ahead, but rereading this book, this is the third time I've read this book. Mm -hmm. And reading it the third time, I've enjoyed it way more than I did the last two times. And I think that has to do with more of understanding and probably looking at it from the perspective of making this podcast, analyzing it and seeing how good of the writing is and all. Yeah, it's like a that. different, it's a different, it's a level. whole different ball game. So if you like this podcast, you should definitely read the book that we'll do next time beforehand and then you can talk along with us as you listen see that's a good point or you can experience from my from my point of view <laughs> clueless clueless through and the eyes kind of, of like apathetic <laughs> that would be fun too so do you think anyone's still listening i, I think there's no, people not still a chance listening. definitely not. no i i have faith okay so <laughs> the first book that we started with we're going to do it chronologically like i said uh the order she released them in we're going to do even the not-mystery books, non-mystery. She didn't call them the not-mystery books. Even the ones that she published in a different name. Romance. Yeah, a romance books. So that'll be fun, because I've never read any of those. And there are a few that I actually haven't read, so that'll be fun to, to discover them. But this book I had read twice before. So, The Mysterious Affair at Styles is the first book. Charlotte. Dun, dun, dun. I'll let you take the lead in telling us what the book is about. And maybe you could pitch it to Zach as a book that he would be maybe yes. see if he's interested in it, if you yeah. have any questions now fun fact josh used to talk about this book uh you know when i read it yeah when he read it probably time. the first time and he was telling me about it and i thought it was called the mysterious ferret styles <laughs> that is the best so ferret with like a fedora and a right. trench coat i thought like i was like 
okay, I'm listening. But like, as I got older, I realized that that's a ridiculous title If only for an adult the name book. was that, we probably would have got Zach to I read know. it. Uh, yeah, we should have made our a homemade uh, cover so that he would have at least picked it that's, up. I'm like, I, the book was okay, but I didn't notice any ferrets in it. I kept waiting for the ferrets. I think that would be a good title for, you know, a calendar with little the ferrets mysterious. dressed up. The right. mysterious ferret style. Well, they like have a 12 month <laughs> anthology. <laughs> I'd so buy that okay. calendar. <laughs> Idea for any of you uh, fanfic writers at home, all of Agatha Christie's fanfic. book. Fanfic. <laughs> Taken from the perspective of ferrets. People say that. Yes. I, I know. I was just <laughs> laughing at the thought of writing a, a fanfic Agatha Christie with ferrets as well, the characters. Well, they've got, you know, you got Redwall, you got Watership Down, which are stories that could be told with humans, but animals mm-hmm. take the place. And I'm sure there's mystery books like that. Is that like the Cat Who books? Well, there's the Great Mouse Detective. That's no, true. the Cat They're Who books mystery. is all about uh, human beings that cats just happen to be involved. Oh, okay. So It's not anthropomorphic. Zach could be the first. I could be the first anthropomorphic cat. That's not mm. what I meant. Okay, Charlotte. There's been lots of those. <laughs> Why don't you tell Zach a little bit about the book, The Mysterious Affair at Styles? Okay, well, the first thing Zach will want to know is that it's 154 pages long. Oh, no. So a solid pass. <laughs> It's like more than eight. Zach's out. Zach's out already. No mouse is given cookies. <laughs> There's not really a lesson to be learned. I don't feel like. Yeah, that's yeah. the only books I read. Mm. I'm trying to think what Zach's like, what Zach likes, and then how I can like put it in here. Do you like Wicked Stepmothers, Zach? I have one. <laughs> so that's a no. Hopefully, she never hears this. <laughs> Getting personal. It's okay. No one knows your last name. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she'll wonder. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so this book, let me just read the back of it to you, which is just a nugget of the book. Styles Court was a magnificent English estate which should have been bequeathed, that means given to, gotcha. a man named John Cavendish, but instead it was left to his stepmother, who promptly married a fortune hunter, a Oof. situation ripe for murder. Wow. That's not at all what I would put on the back of that book. No, I thought it That's was interesting, kind though. of... Um, they almost a little misleading. You... Yeah. The word bequeathed, no one knows what it means. <laughs> Except for the, the person that just defined it for you. I she might have had it wrong, it though. Yeah, I, I was going by memory, so... Be- I feel like, yeah. That's someone else. Bequeathed's not a word we hear a lot. I already have forgotten what it means. <laughs> That's not a lie, either. Oh, like, okay, bequeathed is like in a will, like you would will it to someone, so it should have gone to this one guy because it was his stepmother, but instead she married a man that everyone hated. Gotcha. So, just from that list, which one of them do you think died? Uh, the wicked stepmom. Good guess. Very good. And correct. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I, I, did, I did talk to Josh about this. We talked a little yesterday. bit about the book. I successfully so guessed who did it on the fifth try without having any information about the book. So it would be nice to have <laughs> surprised him. We'll have to do that next time. But this yeah. time he already knows who did it. So mm-hmm. I spoiled that. I've already, I've single-handedly ruined this podcast. Way to go. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm just happy it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of my fault. I'm like, I can tell you did it. Like, was it this? Was it that? So, Josh, what... Was it about reading this again? Was there anything that surprised you? Like, there was a lot I just didn't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, it is now as a kid because it's the first Agatha Christie book. As a kid, I remember it being a total drag to read, but this time it went so quick. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing I want to talk about later in my review is the readability of all of her work. Absolutely, Ooh, on you can have a scale. 
I don't have a scale. You should have a scale. I don't have one. Uh, maybe next time. Make scale really quick. I completely agree <clears throat> with yeah. you, Josh, that yes, Sorry. you could you could pick it up and you could read it and not feel like it was a heavy commitment. Yeah. There was one part near the end that, that was kind of draggy and I felt like, I wonder why this is this here, but remembering that, yes, it was her first book and later I feel yeah. like she cut all of that. I think right. she, she slashed all that trash and got down to just what was important and what always held your interest. She learned a lot from this book, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Okay. So the, the stepmother dies, um, and the story is told from the perspective of Hastings, mm -hmm. who yeah. is a friend of, was it John Cavendish, the guy that was supposed to get the mansion? Yes, and he had been, Hastings had been... I think injured in the war, which I guess would have been World War One, and so he mm. goes to the family estate to rest and recuperate and uh, pick up chicks. Basically, oh I my think god, I have so much to talk about. <laughs> Here we go. All right, well, How long we're not even fifteen minutes in. This is <laughs> and Josh has got a bash on Hastings. No, this is something that did surprise me. I didn't remember that. Poirot and Hastings knew each other before this book. Mm -hmm. Like, I always thought this was their introduction, but he, but Hastings says, and I wrote this down, hold on. Hastings says... Book's upside down, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had my book upside down really showing my expertise. Um, I'm not going to be able to find it now. While Josh is looking, may I ask how Hastings is injured? Uh, in the war. But like, do they say? How was he hurt? Lots of people get injured in the war. Well, I heard that point, but I didn't know if he had like a bum. You know how you know how or... Watson. It's very similar. A lot of the of the Watson and Holmes, and Sherlock and uh, Watson and Poirot, Poirot yeah. yeah. and Hastings. There we uh -huh. go. Again, my people make stuff very very similar, and I feel like that's one of the drawbacks of this book, is that it feels like she's. She's a little tied to the formula before she made her own. Uh, yes, and I thought the exact same thing, and I agreed with you. I agree with you on that, but yes, it does It does kind of, it changes later in the books. Yes, yes. It felt like it was almost a stepping stone for her to start doing her own thing. Now, I can't find the line now, but I remember the line that said, it's before Poirot is even introduced into the book, and he says something about, um, he was very interested in, crime and he got a lot of the ways that he learned about crime through a belgian detective that he met back in the day and i'm kind of wondering what did you learn because you're certainly not applying <laughs> anything you idiot and i feel wow. bad for anybody that's fans of hastings because i am going to be really not nice about him are, are there any fans of hastings out there there's got to be somebody who's like i'm a huge fan like we, your crazy <laughs> uncle like well you gotta love him we want to hear. Are we ready to talk from about anyone out there no. who is a fan of Hastings? I guess you should tell us. Please give us yes. your reasons why. Should we talk about characters yet? Are we ready to talk about? characters? I am ready to talk about. Characters. Who do we want to talk about first? This is true. Here is a question I have: What character would you say is at the one that Agatha Christie based upon herself? They say In the this author, book. They say the author always has one, and it's not Hastings because he's such a man. And I had a character <laughs> that I really felt she. Must have been, and I really liked this character and wish that they were a bigger character. That is such a good question. I wish I had more time to think about it, but you're right. You always do put part of yourself always. into someone in the book. And maybe I'm wrong. I definitely don't. Well, later on, of course, it's Ariadne Oliver. I feel like yeah, is, yeah. is Agatha Christie finally it's said, okay, everybody, completely. here I am. This is yes. all me. But this one yes. is very small. I'll go ahead and say what I think. I think it's Cynthia. Oh. Ooh. 
Because she was... Now, she was a nurse. Shock and amazement. Right? Okay. I never would have guessed And that. this is what I liked because I was getting really tired. By page 24, I was already a little tired of the tone of Hastings. Um, but they come in on page 24 of my book. It's going to be different in your book, probably. Hastings comes into the... Uh, the place where they keep all of the drugs and he's like what a dispensary yeah what a lot of body thank you <laughs> the place where they keep all the drugs <laughs> she hastings says what a lot of bottles i exclaimed as my eye traveled around the small room do you really know what's in them all and i love this and i feel like this is agatha christie and it would come through later say something original groaned cynthia every single person who comes up here says that we are really thinking of bestowing a prize on the first individual who does not say what a lot of bottles <laughs> and i know the next thing you're going to say is how many people have you poisoned mm. and i feel like that mm. is <laughs> you go girl she had the head bob i feel like that's her coming through all the way uh, that is very intuitive because when I read that line, I was like, that's such nice sarcasm. Good yeah, for her. A very good and line. And my mind saw Agatha Christie writing that at yeah. the time, so you're correct. And think about, not to jump too far ahead, her first female narrator, which is, I can't remember her name now, but from The Man in the Brown Suit, who's very oh, sarcastic. Yeah, which is, and was also a well-traveled yep. woman. Yeah, I really like The Woman in the Man in yes, the Brown Suit. Yes, she's a very good character. I like that book a lot. I've got a lot of issues with that book, but we'll get there. It comes up pretty soon. It's an early one. It's like the one. third or fourth? Yeah, it's pretty early. Yeah, okay. Okay, so we got yeah, her. Right that. We'll talk about Hastings first. The man with the brown ferret. I'm <laughs> I'd read that. <laughs> I'm going to try not to hog everything up with all I have to say about Hastings. Okay, so like I said, Christy was really imitating the Sherlock Holmes Watson type thing. At first, yeah. At first. So Hastings is very much Watson, but a little stupider. Agree, kind of because irritating. I like Watson. Yeah, I do too. Isn't, I do not like Watson Hastings. Is supposed to be stupid though? No. Yeah. To a degree. <laughs> He's supposed to be like slow. He, yeah, he like, never yeah. sees what Holmes does, but Holmes is a genius. No, but actually that is what the Watson that you see portrayed in like movies and things. In the books, Watson was, you know, was intelligent and a doctor and well-traveled, just in a very different way from mm -hmm. Holmes. He gotcha. kind of turned into the bumbling idiot as the so many video or so many TV shows and so many movies about him. But I think the best interpretation of Watson is Jude Law in the new Sherlock Holmes. Mm. That is the closest Watson I think you'll ever get to the books. Which Sherlock Holmes is that? The new one with Robert Downey Jr. Okay. Sherlock Holmes <clears throat> movie, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I Sorry if I keep clearing my throat. I'm a... It's a habit. He's sick. <laughs> He's not well. That's not true. We might lose him. I'm sick in the head. <laughs> anyway. Okay, okay, Hastings. That's all I... Sorry. Back to Hastings. There's... there's okay. Josh's favorite subject. <laughs> there's um, smoke coming out. The Josh's problem I ears. have with Hastings... He's not really that strong of a character. He's really just the narrator of this book. And I love... 40 at most. I love... <laughs> yeah. I love the Wikipedia article about Hastings. Whoever wrote this article, our souls are made of the same material. Was it you, Josh? It was not me, but the attitude that they said all these facts with was so beautiful. Okay, so... that's you just reading them in that attitude. <laughs> but the way they said... Okay, just listen to this, okay? <laughs> Hastings only appears... I can't remember... He appears in most of the short stories, but he only appears in like eight books. It's not really that many. Really? I don't know if it's that exact number. Interesting. He doesn't appear at all between 1937 and 1975. He's not in any of those books, okay? Mm-hmm. So the very beginning, she uses him as a first-person narrator, like all the Sherlock Holmes stories are, most of the Sherlock Holmes stories are. Later, she used a first-person narrative in Murder of Roger Ackroyd, which is, you know, known as her first great book. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't Hastings, it was a different narrator. 
Um, and later she had different male narrators that she was praised for getting so right that it was so unbelievable that this was, was a middle-aged British woman like The Moving yeah. Finger, one of my personal favorites, Endless Night. Right, and, oh, that's right. Now that I was confused, I thought it was uh, Why Didn't They Ask Evans, but that, that didn't, that wasn't a male narrator. I don't really it? remember that one that well. Okay, know. because that one, possibly, but Can you continue. check who narrates Why Didn't They Ask Evans? I'll that? sure check, try. Anyway. And the article talked about how she realized that her use of Hastings was very limited. She very quickly dropped him because she started to um, like the use of expanding her narrators. Uh, eventually, she was using fluid narration, like especially that we see in And Then There Were None, where she passes through ten people's heads mm -hmm. so easily. Perfectly. Perfectly. That's a perfect book, and we're going to have like seven hours of on that That episode. is going to be a special double edition at least. <laughs> yeah. It says least. she increasingly favored third-person narrative. Her use of Hastings was very limited. He really was only there for the start. Is it Bobby Jones? That sounds right. He did narrate it. Okay, yes. so that was a guy too, and I yes. think that's an earlier one, so... Not too far. Yeah. It's not in the middle of the Because I can't look at him and be like, oh, right, it was Bobby Jones. Because I'm like, this is a name that appears Probably in the Wikipedia Bobby Jones. article. Probably Bobby Jones. All right, cool. So we'll see about him. <laughs> but, okay. So here's the problem I have with Hastings. And Charlotte already put the, the hit the nail on the head by saying that Hastings is there basically to search for chicks. Okay. <laughs> Let's start here. Oh, man. He's got page references. Very, very early on. Yes, I do. <laughs> Very Wonder. early on. <laughs> Dog ears everywhere. Because this was the first thing I noticed. I'm like, I'm going to look for patterns, different things like that. Um, and Hastings did have some good lines. Okay, this is his first line. We talked about he's, he's friends with John Cavendish. He meets Mary Cavendish, which is John's, John's wife. John's wife. Notice. It was a bit creepy. He, he turns into Shakespeare here. <laughs> I shall never forget my first sight of Mary Cavendish. Her tall, slender form, and this is a really well-written paragraph, mm -hmm. but that doesn't change what it's about. Mm -hmm. Her tall, slender form, outlined against the bright light, the vivid sense of slumbering fire that seemed to find expression only in those wonderful, tawny eyes of hers. Remarkable eyes, different from any other woman's that I have ever known. The intense power of stillness she possessed, which nevertheless conveyed the impression of a wild, untamed spirit in an exquisite, civilized body. All these things are burnt into my memory. I shall never forget them. Mm-hmm. Creeper. So he is very quickly head over heels for Mary Cavendish. So quickly. His best friend's wife. Yeah. It yeah, it's creepy. And Not cool, man. Later on on page 17, just to further this, the evening passed pleasantly enough, and I dreamed that night of the woman Mary Cavendish. So he's having dreams about her. The the first night that he met her. Um which is not okay, kids. And if it's another thing. Okay, Dr. Bowerstein, who we talked about, Jewish the Jewish guy. one. He's got a yarmulke. He said, The Probably. only fly in the ointment of my peaceful days was Mary Cavendish's extraordinary and, for my part, unaccountable preference for the society of Dr. Bowerstein. When she, what she saw in the man, I cannot imagine. Now, you think the husband would be jealous here, but no. Hastings is like, what are you doing with him? I... I don't understand. And then later, lest we forget, Hastings proposes yes, I to have that, a different I woman. have that too, and I want to show you the closeness of what you're saying right now to another line, how fickle he is, okay? Oh, well, another thing I have here is where he makes up this whole theory where Bowerstein did it. He's like mm -hmm. the first person to think of this. Mm -hmm. Just because he's jealous that Mary Cavendish is giving him such attention. It's true. He's obsessed. <laughs> okay, here it is. 
Now, Cynthia, the other character we talked about, she's talking to Hastings. Uh, it says, the sunlight piercing through the branches turned the auburn of her hair to quivering gold. And it's not a secret throughout the books that Hastings likes redheads, and I don't know why that's a thing. He's, it is a thing. <laughs> she says, wow. Mr. Hastings, you are always so kind and you know such a lot. Notice what we just talked about with him and Mary Cavendish, how in love he is with Mary Cavendish. It struck me at this moment that Cynthia was really a very charming girl, much more charming than Mary, who never said things of that kind. <laughs> For the first one... To me! The first 150 pages of this book, he's going crazy over this lady. Cynthia says one nice thing to him, and then, like Charlotte said... I don't said, know what possessed me. Her beauty, perhaps, as she sat there, with the sunlight glinting down on her head. Perhaps the sense of relief in encountering someone who so obviously who could have no connection with the tragedy. Perhaps honest pity for her youth and loneliness. Mm. It's got like a Daily Bay thing going on. <laughs> yeah, a new girl every day. Anyway, I leant forward, and taking her little hand, I said awkwardly, Marry me, Cynthia. What? <laughs> Isn't the first thing she said to him? <laughs> no, they've had conversations. Marry me. <laughs> <laughs> and I know from... Pretty much. And this is a, from Agatha Christie's autobiography. She talks about how... Mm. Little she knew tons of guys that would propose to her. That's just how it was back then. True. But seeing the story through this guy's eyes is really irritating. And I love my favorite line of the whole book is after this proposal, she pretty much tells him, like, no, that's silly. Mm -hmm. She, like, kind of laughs it off. She's like, new phone, who dis? Like, LOL, <laughs> you don't want to marry me. <laughs> the very next page, nah. his he sums up this whole scene saying... Thinking over the interview, it struck me as being profoundly unsatisfactory. Wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hastings was very British. Yes. And we like British. But, okay, <laughs> then I'll be done right after this. Four pages later. Four <laughs> pages after the proposal. Wow. Poirot is talking about Mary Cavendish, and he says... He's talking about how she doesn't care for Dr. Bowerstein the way everybody thinks she does and says, it's because she cares for someone else, Mon ami. And Hastings says, oh, what did he mean? Oh, yeah. In spite of myself, an agreeable warmth spread over me. I am not a vain man where women are concerned, <laughs> but I remembered certain evidences <laughs> too lightly thought of at the time, perhaps, but which certainly seemed to indicate. I thought, wait, I thought he had just stated that she has never said anything kind or like, yeah, like and that then way to him. a couple pages later, he he's like, saw... I didn't notice at the time, but I'm pretty sure she digs me, Poirot. And Poirot, <laughs> a spoiler of this, and that's kind of a nice thing of the book, is that oh, they end up. On. They end up wanting each other's affection. Shouldn't there be some affection. sort of annoying noise here? There, there we go. go. Spoilers, yeah. <laughs> this is spoilers that uh, John and Mary Cavendish end up together happily because she really does love him. Mm -hmm. And that's who Poirot's talking about. But Hastings is like, oh, I'm getting in there. <laughs> he ends up single at the end of the book. Uh, and the very last Aww. few... I know, it's really sad. And the very I last lines... I sorry for him at all. Uh, Cynthia gets married and... Hastings sighs, and Poirot's like, what is it, Mon ami? Or probably like, what's wrong now? <laughs> and Hastings like, nothing. They're two delightful women. And Poirot says, and neither of them is for you? Never mind. Console yourself, my friend. We may hunt together again. Who knows? And then, that's the end of the book. That is, that is the end of the book, and I thought it was very interesting Wait, so, the way she ended so it. So Hastings and Poirot are going to go 
like babe searching? They're pretty much they're pretty much babe searching <laughs> under the cover <laughs> of solving crimes. Uh, yeah, I think he meant to hunt a criminal again. God. But Hastings, maybe you but never like, know. That's not, that's and not it does happen. It does happen pretty there's quickly. There's nothing wrong with just having your eyes open. That's true. At all times, there is a little something wrong with being that fickle. If you I agree. Hit on every woman and. Um, let's talk about another char- character, Evelyn Howard. Oh. They are so mean to her because of the way she looks. Mm-hmm. I can't. What does Poirot say? He says something about her being beefy. And <laughs> Not in a good way. That's harsh. I really like the first line that her conversation was couched in the telegraphic style. Yes. Everything. She, that's a really good line. Everything she like, says is word, super short. Words. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. I like yeah. that about her character. I think maybe we should talk a little bit about Poirot. Um, maybe. He's kind of a small character in this book. Yeah, let's talk about <laughs> I, I just only uh, The first thing that I want to say about him, though, I think it's a great testament to any writer when... You know, you know how it is when you watch, like, the pilot of a new show? And, yeah. And, like, after you've watched three seasons, like, you go back and watch the pilot, and they're like, you're like, oh, wow, that was good, but, like, they had a lot to work they're out. They're so and, flat compared to what they are mm-hmm. later on, yeah. That is what is something wonderful about Poirot and the way Christie wrote him. He remains almost virtually unchanged mm-hmm. throughout all of the books however many more he he appears in he is almost exactly the same and yet never ever boring yeah he is a completely fleshed out character at the very beginning but c- continues without ever needing to have anything added yeah. yeah and that's a good character thank you zach you're welcome <laughs> he uh it's interesting to see him a little younger in this book because mm-hmm. this is the youngest he ever is and he's still retired so he starts off the series retired, so he's like a hundred and some when he dies later on. Wow. Yeah, and Christy, like, Christy admitted, like, I didn't really work out the math, but who cares? <laughs> she re- I really exactly. like her attitude about everything. Oh, speaking of, if you're done about talking about Poirot, I forgot that I looked up fun facts about the book. Yes. One of them is about Poirot. Let's have fun facts. And I, Are you having fun, Zach? I'm having loads of fun. And I was going to say, <laughs> most of the facts that are tied to to Christy are actually about this first book, so a lot of you probably already know. Maybe even Zach already knows. I probably don't. So I'm going to try to give you some facts that you haven't heard. You'll have to tell me if you haven't heard them. So it's famous that this book was a bet given to her by her sister Madge. She's like, I bet you can't write a mystery book. Sorry, that just sounds like a fake sentence. <laughs> it does. <laughs> like it's made up. Well, maybe she made it up yeah, to give more publicity. It was a bet for my s- sister Madge. What, what inspired you to write this book? Madge? <laughs> Who's Madge? My, my sister. sister. Um, and the reason is they had written before. Like, they wrote just mm. for fun. Kind of like the Bronte sisters. Because Sister Madge, I wrote Sister Madge like she's a nun. Her sister Madge <laughs> wrote a play called The Claimant, which is which actually was uh, in production for a I while. I did not know that. I don't, I, it never got as big as anything Christy wrote, but she was published in some ways. And so Madge was like, I bet you can't write a mystery book that's good. And Christy's like, I bet you I can. And obviously her whole idea in beginning it was that uh, a mystery should be, you should be able to solve a mystery mm-hmm. and, uh, with all the clues involved. Sorry, I was just imagining she, her being like, I bet you can't write a good mystery book. And she's like, hold my drink. <laughs> <laughs> she has a typewriter. See, this is why we have Zachary. Exactly, <laughs> yes. Uh, another thing I liked about this uh, Christy said she had written a long, dreary novel. Kind of wondering what that was, but this was her first take on mystery. She worked as a nurse, which is how she knew so much about poisons. Mm-hmm. So I know you know all of this. These are some things that I, maybe you don't know. So, Styles was denied to be published quite a few times. 
they kept saying no, and eventually she got a publisher, right? Uh, the publisher tried to take advantage of her being a naive writer and get her into contracts that weren't really that mm. good for her. They okay. tried to contractually require her to write, how many was it? Five novels. She had to write five novels for this publishing company, but this publishing company wasn't really that good for, a good fit for her, because now Mysterious Ferret Styles is under her other one. Uh, but Christy, already being a genius, would write a book and submit it, and it wasn't a mystery book. Even her second book that she writes isn't traditional mystery. It's a spy book, the next one, Secret Adversary. Oh, yeah. And they didn't like anything that she was submitting, so they'd be like, no. And after a while, she's like, you know, you didn't say that you had to publish the book. You just said that I had to give, write it and give it to you. Oh. And then they're like, uh. I don't know if that worked, but it seemed like it did because she <laughs> moved on. Because they wouldn't give her much control, but it talked about later on. With publishers, she had control over covers, spelling. That is the way to do it. If everything. You're going to do it. Can I say something here about the yeah. time that that was published? Because I looked up some things about uh, this book first came out in 1920. So I looked at some of the other books that were like mm. um, that were also published that year. So you had one like F. Scott Fitzgerald who wrote The Great Gatsby, his first book, the name of which is. Not important, but I wrote it down so y'all are going to hear it. This Side of Paradise. <laughs> y'all going to hear now. This, oh this Side of Paradise was F. Scott Fitzgerald's okay. first novel. And then there was another one um, that was very ugh, emotional and like... You know, disgusting. The, disgusting. <laughs> All of this stuff about the problems of like the super rich. Kind yeah, of like yeah. Gatsby and, and debutantes and everything that was going on. Right. So I think that... Christie's book was different and refreshing because she still talked about that. I mean, Styles is all about a privileged family, but it's it's fracturing that image of that they were better than everyone else. Yeah, they had similar problems, and she makes them a little bit sympathetic, but you can still hate them. Yeah, they're hateable but relatable. Hateable oh, but relatable. That needs to be a segment. <laughs> hateable but relatable. Bravo. That is a segment. I had another thing. Who's writing this stuff down? <laughs> another thing I wanted to talk about. Audio. We have no pens. What do you mean? It's being recorded. I know that, but for me to remember later. We're I'm never going to listen to this. We're not going to tell you. Why not? We're really funny. <laughs> we are. And, uh, something I wanted to talk about related to what you just said was author's first books. One I thought about was Ellery Queen. Uh-huh. I really like Ellery Queen. Me too. Oh, I know you do. <laughs> Don't know what that means. I just... I've it's seen a you guy! Read, I know. <laughs> I've just seen you read a lot of his books. Now, his first books, his, like, first ten... They are a chore to get through. Mm -hmm. And that's even something that uh, the Secret Notebooks that we talked about earlier talks about how readable she was that we mm -hmm. talked about. Um, if you read that book, it's like Ellery Queen will have full paragraphs in Latin just trying to show you how smart he is. And it's oh. so obsessed with the solving of the crime and not the characters that the mm -hmm. books... And I can't find an Ellery Queen book on a, on a chain bookstore. They have been completely forgotten. But from the get-go... Agatha Christie was readable. She didn't talk down to the readers. Mm -hmm. or... I have here scrawled in almost illegible writing that she wrote and explored feelings without sacrificing plot and had Good. a great view into human nature, but you're still reading a thriller. Right. It's like the difference between actually being in a court case and like reading the Wikipedia summary of that court case. Mm -hmm. Speaking of, <clears throat> the original ending of this book, Poirot gave the answer of the crime from the witness stand. That was her original book. That's why oh. so much of that last portion of it, it's is in that court, 
That was her original ending. But oh. I don't know if it was the publisher or somebody said that doesn't really work. She rewrote it to where he gathers everybody in a room, and that's what and she. That is that's the trope the, that people are copying. Yes, today, the does. sum up. I wrote that when it started. Actually, I scrolled it in here. I was like, oh, here comes the first sum Famous. up of the first book. calling people into a room. <laughs> you know, pointing at them one by one. Welcome, Monsieur and Madame. <laughs> okay. uh... Anything else we want to talk about? What else we want to talk about? I don't know. I think we were going to do a game, weren't we? It wasn't you that had the game? I feel like we both had games. I feel like only you have a game. I only have a game? Yeah, I don't have a game plan. But it's a lame game. We can play checkers. (laughs) Yeah. We could. We can't play chess because I'm too dumb. Me and Josh can play chess. Okay. I could watch. That'll make for great audio. And I'm ask sure. annoying questions. Check. Let me read one more really funny line before we get there. Okay. You have a whole page dedicated to this one so line. So I have a whole page dedicated to lines that struck me as funny. Mm-hmm. Let me just... I've talked about a lot of them already. Uh, I already read that one. Thinking over the interview was extremely unsatisfactory. This was a really no- uh, another really funny line to me. They were talking about Wills. Um, they said, as I was about to proceed, Monsieur Poirot, that document is now null and void. When she got married, her original will was null and void. Um, Poirot says, was Mrs. Inglethorpe herself aware of that fact? Her son says, she was. We were discussing the matters of wills being revoked by marriage only yesterday. Why were they talking about that? (laughs) Why were they just chatting about that when it wasn't even an issue? (laughs) That's funny. I never would have caught that. Yeah, we were just talking about that thing that was going to be really important when you died yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, I forgot one. Suspicious. The last thing we need to do is sum up the book in a review, pitch it to Zach. I see. Whether or not well, I, I, I have the pitch right here. Okay. Nothing else needs to be said. But games? On page 73, Zach. Yeah? Please read this line. One was a little sharp, dark, fair-faced man. Whoa! There's a fairy There's a fairy <laughs> You'll read it now? No. <laughs> Looking over this book... It, I should have told him he had to find the word find ferret. The ferret. And he probably, stupid, stupid. He probably wouldn't have. But when I find the word ferret, I'm like, okay, I'm done. And I sit down the <laughs> book. It was pretty late. Reading over this whole book, very readable. Um, it's interesting. The ending still works. Uh, it does. It would not, still would not be a book that I would recommend to someone who wants to start Agatha Christie. No. It would not be a book that I recommend to somebody that doesn't like to read. No. That would definitely be something later Maybe on. Maybe Jack, so I should, Jack read should wait. If we, if he's got like one, I must I read this, to this book one, token, yeah. just keep it in your pocket. So how many stars would you give this, Mysterious Ferret Styles? Ooh. Out of what? St- how many stars? Yes, five. good question. Out and you could do like stars? 0.5. Ooh, um, I would say it's a solid three and a half. That's exactly what I was going to say. Wow. Wow. We never agree on awesome. anything. And the last <laughs> thing that I want to say... Um, Besides Mysterious Affair at Styles, Zach, name a famous Agatha Christie title, you know. Um, let me think for a second, and then there were none. Okay, she said Charlotte, it earlier. name a famous one. One of the famous ones. Uh, Murder on the Orient Express. Name a famous one. Uh, <laughs> Halloween Party? Yeah. Ooh, very good. Those are all really famous. Guess what they all have in common? Poirot. No Hastings. I'm... Oh, nice. So I can't, I'm, I'm really excited for the time where we don't have him anymore. And I know that the... Huge Hastings fan base gonna be knocking down my door. <laughs> You're gonna get so much hate mail. Okay, 
So let's come on out. We're here to burn you <laughs> at the stake for dissing Hastings. Because lots of people who hate uh, Hastings or who love Hastings are from Kentucky. Apparently, I'm guessing <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's like a cult. That's uh-huh. not that demographic. He definitely appeals to people in Kentucky. <laughs> oh yeah, I feel the same way about them women right there. What do you think Hastings' dating profile would be like? Oh, we should write him one. <laughs> By Jove! <laughs> oh, you want a redhead? <laughs> Redheads only. Only interested in Auburn hair and long walks in the park. Yeah, exactly. You want a lot of long walks in they, this book. They have to do a lot of walking. It's very dialogue-driven. Mm-hmm. Well, this all, is most true. of her books are. Okay, what's your game? Okay, you have no idea, do you? Game. No, I have no idea. <laughs> okay, it is it is Set lame. song for the games from now on. <laughs> game, game, game. Very nice. It's a little bit lame. Oh, that's fine. But we'll it's make it fun. fun. It's fun. I took this from a, a radio show that's, that's my it? favorite. I, the idea, I <laughs> you borrowed it. You stole it. Do you know what a limerick challenge is? Well, you write a limerick? That is part of the challenge. <laughs> <laughs> but that's already done. I have written said limericks. Oh. And the challenge is for you to guess the last word or phrase. Gotcha. Oh. It's missing. But, you know, if you... Is this you... pertaining to the book? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. Am I gonna do, am I gonna get any of these? Possibly. I don't think it, like you need to have read the book. <laughs> no, I, I think that you have a, a 50-50 shot here. Oh, is there options? So no, there's oh. no multiple choice. I wouldn't say it's fifty-fifty. Then okay, then sixty-forty. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. anyone can do this if you know you're paying attention because of the structure of a limerick that. It gives you a lot of clues as to yeah. what the last word or phrase is going to be because of the rhyming pattern. Right. Okay. So you guys... I gotta pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this this first one. Okay. You guys ready? <laughs> Who's answering? I, and Both whoever wants to. Let me tell you, I, okay. I can't even remember lyrics to songs that I love, <laughs> let alone guess the end of a Okay. Of a lyric. So there's... Wh- how many lines is a limerick? One, two, three, four, five, and then you'll be guessing the sixth. Right. Okay. Oh. So, if you can hang on for just five lines, okay, and I'll let you know that it's gonna rhyme with the first two lines. Okay, that that helps. We're good. That helps. (laughs) Okay, you ready? Yes. Okay, here it is. My time, Poirot is always wasting. What's the point of investigating? I solved the case. It was right in front of our face. Where would Poirot be without? Hastings. Yes. Oh gosh, I would have never got that. <laughs> that sounds like something pretentious he would say. Thank Except you. He can't think of that many rhymes. That is what I was going for. Yeah, I well, he got distracted halfway through because a girl walked by. Oh, probably. But look at that okay. Auburn hair. <laughs> okay, so you got a second chance. I wrote two. Oh man. <laughs> I don't know if anybody will get this. I'll one. let Zach take the lead on this one. <laughs> oh man, this is gonna be just a think of train wreck. It might be if it rhymes with Cynthia. <laughs> For Cynthia. <laughs> I can't think of anything. <laughs> no, no, that's not the, the object of this game. In this podcast, we think of things that rhyme with Cynthia. We hope to last at least two episodes. Um, I know. I, I don't think it'll happen. Okay. <clears throat> Ready? Yes. Yeah. To my looks, great pride attaches. Left, right, voila, it matches. Shiny as a pearl, with the wax I curl. To know Poirot is to know his... Mustaches? Oh! Forget it! Bravo! Yeah! There is so much pride in this room right now. I I thought that was a hard one. Well, I know, see, I know... 
what Ferraro looks like because okay. I saw the that one movie. Oh, good. Orient Express. Orient Express. I saw him with the with the big mustache. Uh huh. So I which and was the, and with the wax. Is this things? the modern one? The yeah, Kenneth yeah. Okay. No, the worst no. mustache, by the way. Wonderful Poirot, worst mustache. Hmm. I heard Josh said it was the most accurate mustache. I felt like it fit the words well because in this book she never says it looks the way. No, that comes later. She describes right. it later, but I still feel like it. Was... I mean, it doesn't look good, but I don't feel it's. Untrue it, to Christie's description. It looks like it came out of his ears and grow down, though. That Do we have any proof that it didn't? That one. Well, no. I feel like no one could literally get a mustache that far. So he grew <laughs> one mustache and then a second mustache yes. out a little farther. There were four. He You're broke right. the records for how many mustaches you can have on one face. That's <laughs> true. How does he do it? Now, that is something we have to do later, is rate the actors who have played both. Oh, yeah, we'll have to do and that. And Miss Marple. I'll watch a movie. Now, there is no movie version of this. There's an episode of it on Agatha Christie's Poirot, but there is no movie version, which is yeah. kind of understandable. There's nothing that really makes it stand out as a mystery. Is mm-hmm. Hastings in the episode? Yes. Is he in the whole series? He's in every one that he's supposed to be in. And he does a really good job playing the character. He is likable. Hugh, Hugh Frazier, yes. And is that the Frazier. only guy who's ever played Hastings? I feel like That's... there's ones that have played it on like TV, but nobody okay. big. I feel like I know who Hugh Frazier is. Let me look up him, because if you describe he's him... He's in 101 being... Dalmatians, the I live think, action one. I think he's thinking of Hugh Laurie. Probably. I don't <laughs> think you know Hugh Frazier. He's pretty much limited to TV. Yeah. So, um, are we going to talk about next time? Next time, we are going to be reading Agatha Christie's, that's him. Yeah, don't know him. (laughs) Now he's looking at pictures of Hugh Frazier. Next time, we're going to be looking at pictures (laughs) of Hugh Frazier. Next week, next, it's not going to be a week, don't even think about it. Next time! We hope that people (laughs) enjoy and listen to this podcast, which will... Well, if we record a whole bunch and then release them weekly, that'd be okay. That'd be cool, but they then people wouldn't have time is. to read the book in between. Oh. I feel like a month's a good time. So let's say about a month. It won't be exactly a month, but about uh, a yeah. month. We will release the second episode, which is her second book, The Secret Adversary. So if you like... Ooh, I have that one. I don't have to go buy one yet. I'm so excited. I'm two for two. Are you sure? Because I remember you giving me one. I'm pretty sure I have a second copy okay. well, of my good. library lab. So if you like spy thrillers without, like, laser rays <laughs> or... Super villains. Yeah. What makes it a spy, then? <laughs> there. I'm kidding. <laughs> and Zach might be here. And, uh, <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Zach might get fired. He got um, fired. So are, is Hastings in this one? Thank you. Goodness, no. Well, then what's Josh going to have to talk about? I'm going to find something to rant about. Okay. I like this book. Well, I mean, hateable but relatable. Hateable but relatable. That is... I'll find somebody. Such a happy thing. Uh, This book isn't Poirot. It's uh, Tommy and Tuppence, which are really enjoyable. Tuppence O'Bean! Is that this book? (laughs) Yes. That's that book? Yes. One time Zach was reading a book in my car. It was a very silent moment. (laughs) And he read that line as loudly as he possibly could. It was... Excellent. <laughs> yes, did a really good job. So that's what we'll be reading next time. So in between... I am looking forward to Tommy and Tuppence. If you read The Secret Adversary, you'll know what we're talking about. I, sh- I sure won't. And if you don't read it, <laughs> you will still have a good time. You'll have a, I sure did. a great time. Okay. Anything else? I think we should have a cup of tea. Yes. Mm. Great audio gag. Uh, yeah. Wait! Don't, don't drink, drink the, the tea. tea! I'm gonna... Good scream. Thanks. <laughs>